What we have today in the gospel is the second of a two-part conversation. Last week, we read John starting in 519 and read till 529 and then from 529 to... So we're going to be dealing with the whole thing as a wad as opposed to one at a time. So the one we read last week talks about his authority, what he's able to do. The one we have today talks about authentication. So the first thing he said last week is, this is what I can do, this is what I've been set to do, etc. And the second part that we read today is, this is how you should know that what I'm telling you is the truth and I do have that authority. So that's the structure of the last two weeks worth of reading here in John. So let's start with his authority. And I'm not going to reread it, but it starts off, he has all judgment. He says the Father is not going to judge anybody. He's given all judgment to the Son, me. And the reason that he's given the judgment to the Son as opposed to retaining it for himself is because Yeshua is one of us. He's a man. So his judgment will be tempered with understanding. He has walked on the earth like we have. He's done all the stuff we have done. So when he judges our sins, he's going to be able to judge them against the standard of, well, I went through that too. This is how I behaved. And where your behavior doesn't measure up, I will give you a fair and merciful judgment. He says, I'm the Son of God. I'm also the Son of Man. Therefore, I've got all judgment, and that's why. The other thing that's interesting is he has self-existing life. John 5, starting at verse 20. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all that he himself is doing, and greater works than these he will show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so the Son also gives life to whom he will. Then we have the Father judges no one, but gives all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Father. And whoever does not honor the Son does not honor the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but passes from death to life. So, verse 26. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he's the Son of Man. We just talked about that. But this idea that the Father and the Son have self-existing life, their life doesn't derive from anybody else or anything else. It is inherent in them. And so the life in the creation that he has given to us is derivative. The only reason we have life is because he gave it to us. Yeshua and the Father both have life in themselves. Now let's back up a second. Back in verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. And then we have the business of I have self-existing life, which means that I then have the ability to pass that on. Remember who he's talking to. He's talking to Jews. When we read this, we're reading it in Greek, and most of us have grown up in the New Testament as opposed to growing up in the Torah. 
So when we read this, we understand it differently, perhaps, than they would have understood it. Let's read this again. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Well, all of you know, or should know by now, that in biblical Hebrew, there is no word for obey. Modern Hebrew does have such a word, but it's important from another language. So in biblical Hebrew, there is no word that means obey. The equivalent in biblical Hebrew is shema, which is to say, listen, listen to me. It's sort of in that tone of voice, maybe. So when Yeshua says, whoever hears my word, you should think, whoever listens to me and does what I say, very much in the same way that God says, whoever listens to me and does what I say. That's the sense of that. He's talking to Jews. He's talking to people who would understand biblical Hebrew. So when he says, whoever hears my word, whoever listens to me and believes him who sent me, remember Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So whoever hears, which is to say in modern English, whoever obeys my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. And I'm sure most of you are much the same. You read this stuff and read this stuff. I've read it, I don't know how many times before, and you sort of glide over it. There's really a lot going on in these two sections that we have read if you're looking at them from a Hebrew point of view. So what's he doing? What's the purpose of this exercise? Remember the thing that led up to this is he healed a man on the Sabbath. I quite frankly believe that Yeshua, he didn't just stumble across somebody that needed healing. I believe that he deliberately goes and seeks people out who need healing and he deliberately does it on the Sabbath just to poke his finger in their eye. In addition to which, he's healing somebody that needs healing. Don't get me wrong. He's showing mercy on somebody. But the other point is he doesn't wait until the first day or he doesn't do it on Arab Shabbat. He does it specifically on the Sabbath because he's making a point. And these religious authorities, when he started doing things on the Sabbath like that, they really got their undies in a bunch. Really got upset with him. And then he says in this riff, oh, by the way, I'm the son of God, and I have all this authority, and I have all this power, and you should know. They really get upset. So this idea of them plotting to kill him, which is where it starts in the book of John, has to do with this passage. Because what he's saying is, all right, this is the authority I've had, and by the way, you can see that I operate in that authority. And furthermore, this is my authentication, and we'll talk about that in a minute. And what he's going to talk about in his authentication is all stuff that they should know. So what he's saying to the religious authority is, this is who I am, and you should believe it. You have no excuse for not believing it. That's the sense of what's going on in these last two readings that we've done in John. And he's doing that specifically because they are upbraiding him for violating the Sabbath. And they are plotting then to kill him. So what he's doing is he's giving them legal notice 
This is who I am. This is my authority. This is my authentication. And the fact that you don't believe that is your problem, not mine. So the first part is whoever listens to me, Shema, and does what I say and believes in the Father, he'll have eternal life. Very straightforward. And again, to a biblical Hebrew at that time, he would not have been speaking in Greek. He would have been speaking in Hebrew or Aramaic. And the word he would have used is Shema, which is something that they should understand. So, something interesting here, and I'd never seen this before. The dead are going to hear his voice twice. I'm down now to verse 25 in John 5. Truly, truly, I say to you that an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Again, substitute the word Shema for hear. So what he's going to do is he is going to talk to the dead and those who listen to him and believe him and obey him will live. At least historically, we know that he went down after his crucifixion to Sheol and talked to Abraham and all the people that were bound up down there and brought them up to life. That's historical. But there's another one. I'm down to verse 28 now. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs... We're talking about dead people again, right? Talked about dead before, and now we're still talking about dead people. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. So what we have in the first conversation that he has with dead people are those who listen to him and believe in him. The second conversation he has with dead people is all you corpses up, whether you listen to me before or not, and now we're going to do sheep and goats judgment. Never picked that up before. There's actually two conversations with dead people. The first one, if you listen and obey and believe. The second, everybody else. Let's now talk about authentication. What he has said before is, This is who I am. This is what I have authority to do. This is what I have the power to do. So why should you believe me? That's what today's reading is about. Last week's reading is this is who I am and what I'm going to do. Today's reading is this is why you should believe me. First off, we talk about witnesses. Notice one of the things that he says in today's reading is if I bear witness to myself you shouldn't necessarily believe me. Remember, biblically, a thing is established by two witnesses. And by the way, Ron Dart has a very interesting take on that. He is not a witness to what he did, which is why there is no gospel of Jesus. If there were a gospel of Jesus, it would be he wrote down what he did, and then he becomes his own witness. And what he says here in John's reading is, if I'm the only witness to who I am and what I've done, then you don't need to believe me. Hence, 
all of the Gospels are by other people who witnessed it, and you have, in this case, four witnesses, the four Gospel writers, plus you have the witnesses of the Apostles and all that. But these are all witnesses that are not him himself, and that's important. And that's what he says specifically. John 5.30, I can do nothing of my own, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. In other words, I am not making this up on the fly. I am doing according to established law. If I alone bear witness about myself, my testimony is not deemed true. So what he's saying is, if I'm the only witness here, you don't have to believe me. And then he goes on to say, there's another who bears witness about me, and I know that his testimony that he bears about me is true. You sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. This is John the Baptist. Remember, he's the first one that said, behold the Lamb of God. So he's a witness. 34, not that the testimony I receive is from man. In other words, it's nice that John authenticated me, but that isn't enough. Verse 36, the testimony that I have is greater than John. For the works that the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I am doing, bear witness about me that the Father sent me. So what he's saying is, the stuff I am able to do bears witness to me. I am not depending on John. John bore witness to me, no problem. He bore witness and it was true, but I'm not depending on that. Now, one of the things that Judaism to this day says is miracles are not sufficient reason to believe anything. And they go back, for example, to the Egyptian magicians who were able to duplicate what Moses was able to do. One of the things that we know, for those of you who have read Revelation, which is probably all of you, I would imagine, is that the Antichrist is going to be able to do signs and wonders. So the mere existence of signs and wonders is not authenticating. However, there is one. And I owe a thanks to Brian years ago who pointed me to this, and I have since checked it out, and I agree with it. There is one miracle in Scripture that is reserved for the Messiah. And that's the opening of blind eyes. You have people raised from the dead. Elijah did it. Elisha did it. So being raised from the dead is not dispositive. Because other people did that. Prophets, of course. But they're not the Messiah. Calling fire down from heaven. No big deal. Elijah did it. Elijah did it. All sorts of people call fire down from heaven. The thing that is dispositive, apparently, is opening blind eyes. And he's the only one who does that. And if you read the book of Acts, the apostles don't do it either. That's reserved for the Messiah. And by the way, if you read Isaiah and the prophets, what you'll find is that the Messiah, when he comes, will open blind eyes. By the way, opening blind eyes happened earlier in the book of John. He's already done it. They know about it. So what he's saying is, the fact that I can do that ought to wake you right up. So we have the scriptures 
that authenticate him. Because you read the scriptures, and as he says in today's riff, they talk about me. I'm doing the stuff the scriptures said that I'm supposed to do. I am in all ways behaving as the scriptures say I should behave, except I'm not going to be a competent hero because the first time I'm going to come is I'm riding on a donkey. Next time I come, it'll be a white horse. Right now, it's a donkey. And by the way, that is in Zechariah. It's in your prophets. You should understand that, that the Messiah comes riding on a donkey. Not doing anything weird here, guys. All of this is prophesied. And by the way, the other thing that he says that authenticates him is Moses. And here, by the way, is the key to what's going on here. I'm all the way down to verse 43, John 5:43. I have come in my Father's name, and you did not receive me. If another comes in his own name, you will receive him. Talking about Antichrist there. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and do not seek glory that comes from the only God? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one who accuses you, Moses, on whom you have set your hope. For if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writing, how will you believe my words? So what he's saying is, Moses talked about me. You guys profess to believe Moses. You guys study Moses all the time. And if you really understood Moses, you would understand who I am. So what's the problem? Why don't they get it? I will suggest that there's a couple of things going on. The first one is they're overeducated. One of the things that happens to people who study theology and study the Bible over and over is we spend a lot of time, ooh, wow, look at that, that's really neat. And you get off into little rabbit holes. The other thing that happens, especially in Judaism and and also in Christianity, this is not unique to Jews at all, is over years as you settle disputes, answer questions and so forth, you write all that stuff down. And pretty soon, the body of written law and opinion becomes more important to you than the original documents that you were supposed to work with. Is that what's happening to our government? The original Constitution is very simple, very short document, very easy to understand. The Torah is reasonably short, very simple, intended to be understood by a shepherd or a fisherman. But by the time 2,000 years have passed, the body of knowledge, quote-unquote, that has grown up around the Torah, which these guys are expert in, have obscured the simplicity of the original document. And the same thing is happening in our government. The original document... The Declaration and the Constitution. The Declaration is a statement of principles. The Constitution is the implementing law. Very simple. It was intended to be read by the average layman of that day. Go into the Code of Federal Regulations or read Supreme Court decisions and try and find the simplicity of the Constitution underneath it. And very often you can't. What they do is they rely on precedent, 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 and the simplicity of the original document is gone. That's what's happening to these guys. 
They've lost the simplicity of Moses because they are overeducated. The other thing that's going on is, in some cases, they're hostile to the simplicity of Moses. Because what they've got is they have got power and position. That's what he says here. Verse 44 again. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another? Ding, 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 ding. The glory that they are seeking is the glory of their own group. They are not seeking the glory of the Father. Can you say deep state? What we have is a government that is seeking glory from one another, and it's all become a big club. And where the simplicity of the original document gets in the way, what they will do is they will ignore the original document. Just like these guys. And that's what Yeshua is saying to these guys. Go back to the original document, Moses, and what you will discover is it speaks of me. Go back to the prophets. What you will discover is they speak of me. The fact that you don't get that is because you are seeking glory from one another. And by the way, the fact that this was happening 2,000 years ago and the fact that it's happening again today shows that this is a human problem. This is not a Jewish problem. This is not an American problem. It's not a Nazi problem. It's not a communist problem. It's not an Australian problem. It's a human problem. We all do it. And what the problem is, is periodically you've got to go back to the purity of the original document and you've got to say, wait a minute, we're not doing that anymore. And sometimes you need to go in with a brush hook and you need to clear a whole bunch of that stuff out so that you can get back to the original document, which is intended to be simple. Easily understood by a shepherd or a fisherman. That's the idea here. And what Yeshua is saying is, you guys have made this so complex that you've lost track of it. And in that process, you have become powerful, you have enriched yourself, and you're really not interested in looking at Moses anymore because Moses gets in the way of who and what you are. Which is why they're trying to kill him. Because he's trying to bring everybody back to Moses. Well, we can't have that. Because if we have that, we'll lose our power and our position. They explicitly say that later on in the Gospels. And oh, by the way, look at all the talking heads in Washington. What makes you think that you are responsible for your own children's education? We've got your children. They belong to us. Pick any number of things. What do you mean that you should be able to say whatever you want? What do you mean that you should be able to have your own firearm? What do you mean? That's what's going on. And it's exactly the same thing that was going on with Yeshua. There's nothing new. And the reason that it's important to study Yeshua is because you can see what human nature is and you can guard against it. I'm going to close with a quote from George Washington. George Washington was a great man. 
they're trying to cancel him, but he's a great man. If you remember your history, for those of you who were taught history, which most of you were, it's before the current age, Washington was offered the position of king. There was a faction that wanted to make him a king. And what he did is he served precisely two terms as president, and then he went back to his farm and retired. That's a great man. To have all of that power and voluntarily lay it aside, I cannot begin to tell you how blessed this country was with the men who set it up because they were following Torah, they were following God's law, and they took it seriously. George Washington is the poster child for that. Had supreme power, been offered the kingship. And he said, no. Two terms, I'm done. I'm going to go live on my farm. His quote, Government is not reason. It is not eloquence. It is force. Like fire, it is a dangerous servant and a fearful master. Never for a moment should it be left to irresponsible action. And the people who put our country together were very much like Moses. They recognized that government is necessary. you got to have it. But it is, as he says, a dangerous servant and a fearful master. And we have passed from the dangerous servant stage to the fearful master stage. And that's what is going on with Yeshua and the power structure, if you will, of the religious authority. They have passed from being servants to being fearful masters. And Yeshua, early in the book of John, this is chapter 5, and he's saying as he comes in, I'm the son. I have authority to do this. I have the power to do this. And this is why you should believe me. So at the end of the day, they have no excuse. And so when 30 years later, they're up to their hips and hairy Romans, they can look back and say, it's all our fault. We didn't listen when we had a chance. 